Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good to see you, Go Church. I am so happy to be here, and that was very kind of you, Pastor Nick. My wife and I have been a part of Go Church almost four years, and we love it. We just, every service we get something out of, we just, we love Nick and Becky. They are great pastors, and, and I just am so happy to be with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I always love the opportunity that Pastor Nick gives me to speak on Sundays, or, or uh, Becky gives me to speak on Wednesday nights to go youth, and, and so I just, I just, um, but I, I wonder today how many, now, how many of you know where my wife went to get a couple of postgraduate degrees? She went to the University of Kansas. And I don't know if any of you happen to know there was a couple basketball games last night. And, you know, the, the thing about Go Church is we love everyone. No matter what shade of blue you might be wearing or if you don't even care about the big game tomorrow night, it's okay. But my, my wife and I, we love being a part of Go Church. We love being here. So just a real quick, let's do a little poll. If you are going to cheer for the University of North Carolina tomorrow night, just make a little noise. Woo! Yes. That's my buddy Cy with his shirt representing... He wore it 60 to 65% because of my wife. <laughs> if you're going to cheer for no one tomorrow night, just make a little noise. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I guess I have to cheer for no one. Uh, it's weird cheering for not cheering. And if you're cheering for the University of Kansas tomorrow night, make a little noise. All right, it's okay. We're, gonna, we're just going to love everybody, whether you are cheering for Kansas or not. And so, you know, um, Pastor Nick mentioned I have this interior painting business. I've been doing it 12 years. And we do residential repaints, interiors. That's our specialty. But every once in a while, we get the opportunity to paint a business or an office. We recently painted... Um, Bio, a biomedical office complex in Lowry. I mean, it was very fascinating to talk to the, the CEO and the COO as we're doing a painting bed. I mean, a couple of just smart guys, and they're trying to deal and, and do research around Alzheimer. It's pretty amazing. And uh, a, a couple of months ago, we got a paint right here in Northfield on Central Park Boulevard for the Goldfish Swim School. And I don't know if you've been inside that place. I've driven by there hundreds of times, but it is way bigger than what it looks from the outside. It's massive, and it's a franchise, and their color scheme has 11 bright colors. It's so bright. Tiki huts and uh, palm trees, and I, I love that. And coming up at the end of May, we're going to paint in Park Hill for the Mighty Movement Academy. 
They're redoing their whole gym, and it's a, it's a youth training facility for youth weightlifting, muscle development, speed development, strength development, and, and they're building strength, and they do it in a positive way, building confidence in kids, and, and so I've loved to get to know the owners and, and to see their facility and help them, and they're building physical strength, and today we're going to talk about building our spiritual strength. And we've been looking at, Pastor Nick's been looking at the Beatitudes. It's the beginning portion of the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. The first 12 verses of that sermon in Matthew chapter 5 are called the Beatitudes, the blessings. And Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, he starts each phrase, each teaching with the word blessed. Blessed. And so we're going to dig into the Beatitudes here. And uh, it's in this passage uh, of the Beatitudes, Jesus is giving Um, he's giving a a formula for us to be blessed. And the biblical definition of blessed, as Pastor Nick has talked about, is happy, but it's not a circumstantial happiness. It's not a surface happiness. It's not I'm happy because this good thing happened to me, but it's an internal happiness, an internal joy. And so Jesus is saying, if you want this internal joy, if you want this happiness that comes from above, if you want to be blessed by God, follow these teachings, follow these beatitudes. And they come, this joy, this internal joy comes from a very unlikely, many unlikely places. Because Jesus says, blessed are you, happy are you. You can find internal joy when you are poor in spirit. And it's like, huh, wasn't expecting that. You can get this blessing from God, this joy, this internal joy, this happiness. You can be blessed if you are mourning. And I'm like, wow, hold on. And blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, this, this, this is counterculture. This is opposite of what the world teaches us. And the world teaches us, our culture teaches us, our society teaches us the importance of things like money. Money makes the world go round. The world teaches us the importance of fame. Last Sunday was the Oscars, and there was all these famous people and this famous little slap heard around the world that that's all they talked about on news and radio this week. It's been crazy. Fame. And the world talks about the importance of success. Success in your career. The world talks about power or prestige or possessions. The world says all of these things are very important. But Jesus, you notice how he teaches? And it's almost like the opposite of those things are important to him. It's like this kingdom paradox. Jesus, he says, we win by losing. Huh? Wait a minute. Jesus says, we're alive by serving. Jesus says, we live by dying. 
Jesus says we rise up when we bow down. Jesus says we grow when we give. Jesus says the first will be last. And that's so different than what our world says. And this leads us to our one big thing. Gentleness is strength under control. Gentleness is strength under control. We're at the Beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and it says, blessed are the gentle. Jesus says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, think about that. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow, what a claim. You want to inherit the earth? Well, then be gentle. Be gentle. That's a crazy thought. Inheriting the earth, it implies that those who are foregoing this worldly power will be rewarded in some way. And we don't hear a lot about being gentle in our world, do we? Our world is hard-driving, It's fast-paced, it's ego-driven, it's success-oriented, it's it's a market-driven society, and, and we don't really understand what being gentle means. We don't, we don't hear a lot of people talking about being gentle. Gentle is a characteristic that Jesus is saying is important for us as followers of Jesus to establish this character trait in our life if we're gonna have internal joy, if we're gonna be blessed by God, if we're gonna find true happiness. It's kind of like a wild horse. The, The word for gentle in the Bible is the word that's using to describe the strength of a wild horse. When it's caught, when it's trained, when it's tamed, now that horse has the same exact strength. But now it is bridled, it's under the control of the owner, and the horse is being used for the owner's good. That's the description of this word gentle that we see in Jesus' teaching. The reality is that the people in our world who are, the, who are gentle are the strongest people in the world. It's the weak people who, who are arrogant, who are prideful, who are pushy, who are rude. They're, they're not strong. They might come across in a strong personality, But true strength, biblical strength, is gentleness, where that strength is under control. Another uh, couple of words Bible translations use for that word gentle. Some translations use the word meek, meek. Some use the word humble, gentle, meek, humble. These are descriptors of the character trait that Jesus wants to work up in our life. 
this inner meekness, this inner humility, this inner gentleness, that is strength under control. And there's no greater strength in a person's life than one who surrendered to the Lord. And we can have gentleness in our life that's under control by the Lord. And I want to talk today, I want to give four keys to how learning to be gentle will bless your life. Four very practical keys how gentleness will bless your life. The first key is gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness is an antidote to anger. The Bible says a gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. You probably could think of a situation like that where someone came at you in a way or maybe you came at them in a way. And, you know, in, in all our relationships, all of our friendships, our acquaintances, we need gentleness. We need gentleness in our marriage. We need gentleness in our parenting of our kids. We need gentleness in how we deal with our coworkers. We need gentleness in how we deal with those people that we work with who are in, in our business, on our team. We, for athletes, you need gentleness to deal with team members. For, for students, you need gentleness to deal with classmates. We all need gentleness for those who annoy us or who make us mad. Our natural tendency, when someone irritates us, is the opposite of gentleness, isn't it? It's like things kind of get amped up. I have a really long fuse. I'm a pretty patient guy until, until. And here's what I noticed, I'll be honest with you. When my wife and I are having a disagreement, okay, a fight. An argument. Let's just be, you know, keep it real right here. Go, church. She is so smart. I say to her, it's like she becomes a lawyer. I'm going to lose. There's no sense in trying to support my, my position because as, as, as much as I know or think I'm right, she's going to turn it and I'm going to be feeling like I'm a loser, I'm horrible, I'm a, I, but what, here's what happens, there's a little bit of this exchange and I'm patient until I'm not. And then in my passion, in my, my, my conviction, in my belief, my, my, my blood pressure, I just feel it a little, and I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not a yeller, I don't think so. I just think I'm going to raise my volume a little bit, just a little to, because if I say it a little louder, then maybe she'll be convinced. Oh. And then she'll say, you don't need to yell. I'm not yelling. Okay, maybe a little. I could yell a lot louder. But yes, we need gentleness to diffuse conflict. So here's a pro tip. 
when someone raises their voice, you lower your voice. When someone raises your voice, you lower yours. Oh, that's not my tendency. I need this pro tip because when someone else's voice is amped up, I'm going to match them. Oh, yeah? You think so? Okay, here we go. Yep, 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 yep. But the pro tip that I need to apply to my life is when someone raises their voice, I need to lower mine because gentleness diffuses conflict. That's called strength under control. So in your relationships, in your parenting, parents, how do you parent? Are you parenting with gentleness? Are you parenting with, with love? You know, parenting with gentleness doesn't mean that there's no boundaries. Parenting with gentleness doesn't mean that you are BFFs with your kids. Parenting with boundaries doesn't mean that you let them get their way all the time or, or you let them do whatever they want. Parenting with gentleness still sets boundaries, still has expectations, still has family rules and guidelines and things that we do. But gentleness can diffuse conflict. The second key gentleness is persuasive gentleness is is persuasive if you're in sales you need to know this i don't really view myself in sales but i go to people's homes i do a free bid to look at their house and talk to them about our process and to talk about our world famous tape and caulk method for razor crisp lines it's true just look on Northeast Moms. They'll tell you. <laughs> Just check out Central, Central Park BizBuzz. If I'm feeling down, I just need to go read a post about how great Bill Carson interior painting specialists are because I feel lifted up. This morning, I saw a post in the North End neighborhood that was so kind. All these former clients, someone was asking about, we need an interior painter. Anybody recommendation? And there was about 10 people commenting. Nine of them mentioned my name. I'm feeling pretty confident today. I'm feeling loved. Gentleness is persuasive. If you're in sales, you need to know this. The hard sell no longer works. It's the word of mouth, recommendation, repeat business. Pressure, that's not persuasive. My volume, raising my voice, that's not persuasive. Nagging is not persuasive. It never works. But here's what the Bible says. Patient persistence pierces through indifference. Gentle speech breaks down rigid defenses. Mm. I like that. What's, what's persuasive? What breaks through barriers? Patience, gentle speech. In another version, it says, with patience you can convince a ruler, and a gentle word can get through to the hard-headed. I like the way they word that. 
a gentle word can get through to the hard-headed. Here's the pro tip for this key. The pro tip is I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. Gentleness is persuasive. And when we're thinking about influencing people around us who need Jesus, do you think being abrasive might help lead them to the Lord? I've seen Christians where in their intensity, in their conviction, in their passions for sharing their faith, sometimes are doing more harm than good because they're abrasive and they're judgmental and they're pushing people away. We want to embrace and we want to bring people to the Lord. And we don't want to be abrasive. That's not going to persuade them for their need for Jesus. Gentleness is persuasive. Key three, gentleness communicates love. Gentleness communicates love. Guys, if you're married, the quickest way to improve your marriage is to start talking to your wife more gently. Boom. Did I say that with my outside voice? Yes, talk, start talking to your spouse more gently. It's a way to begin to improve a relationship. Gentleness communicates love. In Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and be gentle with them. Here's the pro tip for men, married or not. Pro tip for men, a gentle man is a gentleman. A gentle man is a gentleman. And so students here, young adults, maybe you're single, you're not married. Being gentle is an attractive quality to ladies and vice versa. The next, this next verse speaks to women. It's in 1 Peter 3, 4. It says, make yourselves beautiful on the inside, in your hearts, with the enduring quality of a gentle, peaceful spirit. This type of beauty is very precious in God's eyes. Mm. It's internal beauty that lasts. It's internal beauty that matters. And here's a pro tip for women. Beauty that lasts is a gentle spirit. And ladies, maybe you're not married. Maybe you're a, a student, a young adult lady. Gentleness will help you in your walk with the Lord and attracting people around you. Gentleness is the key for all of us in all of our relationships, in all of our friendships. And so we want our gentleness to show to everyone we come in contact with. And you know, Pastor Nick showed those little invite cards, little squares. I've been to coffee over the last four years with Nick a few times, and every single time we're at coffee, he is in a very nonchalant, casual way, orders his coffee, pays for his coffee, and then slips a card out and hands it to the cashier. Says, hey, I go to Go Church right over here a few blocks away. I'd love to invite you to our church. They always take it, they always smile, they always thank him. I was talking with him 
and drinking coffee. Someone comes in with the AT&T logo and they're on their break from the store next door and they walk in and Nick asks him a question because he'd been in the store before and they talk shop and then on the way out, he says, hey, I got this little card for you. He lives what he talks about. And this is that gentle spirit where we're being gentle to those that we need to, uh, those that we come in contact with, whether they're the closest people that we love and our family or we work with or the people that we meet for the first time. Gentleness communicates love. The fourth key, gentleness earns respect. Gentleness earns respect. I'd say we all want to be respected. We all want people to respect us. In our careers, we want to be respected. In our families, we want to be respected. Gentleness earns respect. In Titus 3, 2, it says, Believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. There's no disclaimers that it's okay to curse at that guy or that gal. If, if you're in this situation on I-70 and they cut, you know, there's no disclaimers. We shouldn't curse at anyone. We shouldn't be quarrelsome to anyone. It doesn't give disclaimers about showing courtesy to some. You know, if they believe the way you believe, if they're in your political party, or if they go to your church, or, or they do things the way you do things, or they think the way you think, then you should be courteous to them. No, this says to, show cur- to be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. And the last two years, we have needed this more than ever. Unkind people and unkind people social media posts and unkind neighbors have just bubbled up from the surface. And we who are followers of Christ, we, this verse is for us, believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. I grew up in a church that was pretty judgmental, that had certain beliefs And there was a lot of harshness towards those people. Those people never visited our church. I don't know why. (laughs) Gentleness, it communicates love. Gentleness earns respect. Who do you need to be gentle with a little bit more? Maybe they'll respect you a little bit more. Here's a pro tip. Gentleness is a prerequisite to leadership. Gentleness is a a prerequisite to leadership. If you want to be a leader in business, gentleness is required. If you want to be a leader in the church, gentleness is required. If you want to be a leader in your home, gentleness is required. If you want to be a leader in government, gentleness is required. If you want to be a leader in school for students, gentleness is required. If you want to be a leader of any organization, gentleness is required. It's crucial. If we want to be a leader and What is leadership? Leadership, I love John Maxwell's definition. Leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. 
John Maxwell says, if you are, if you think you are a leader and you look around and no one is following you, then you're only taking a walk. <laughs> Leadership is influence. And we all are trying to influence those around us. We all have opportunities to be a leader. And what I'm interested in today is for each of us to be a leader in the areas of our life that we can and should be. Maybe you're not the owner of the company, but you can be a leader in the company. Maybe you're not the, the parent in the family, but you can be a leader in the family. Maybe you're not in charge per se, but you can be a leader because you have influence, because God is working in your life and he's bringing it to the outside. Leadership is earned, it's discerned, and it's learned. Leadership is never demanding. Gentleness earns respect. Leadership is not a title. It's not a position. Being the boss doesn't automatically make you a leader. We earn respect by being gentle. I went to a Christian college. I studied for the ministry. I got a bachelor's degree in practical theology. I spent 14 years as a full-time youth pastor. The first church that I worked at was in St. Peter's, Missouri, a part of the St. Louis metro area. And that I was the first staff member that that pastor had ever hired. The church was a church plant, much like Go Church. And I came along for a summer internship before my senior year in school. And then they hired me full-time in 1985 when I was 21 years of age, right out of college. You can do the math. I'm 58. I'll save you that time. And I was this excited, young, balding youth pastor. I, when I got out of college, I had some serious receding hairline action going on. I used to part my hair in the center in the 70s, late 70s and early 80s, but pretty soon that receding hairline, it just didn't look right. So I moved the part to the side. It was like the Phil Collins patch. The younger crowd's like, who? And then pretty soon I just kept over the years shortening and shortening it, shortening it, and now I just shave it all, bick it all. My Neutrogena facial soap bar has from the neck up been my saving for uh, saving you know grace because you're like 58 you don't look 58 that's a what do you do I just gave you the secret right there thank you I worked with this pastor right out of college I was his first staff member we learned together he never had a staff member and I'd never been a staff member and he was very gentle. He taught me, he mentored me, he was a role model to me of humility and of kindness and gentleness and leadership. And I worked for him for 10 years. And so I, I earned respect and I grew and he gave me more responsibilities and I grew and he gave me more responsibilities and I grew and I give him a lot of credit to who I am today, to be honest. My wife recently and I, we were kind of reminiscing and talking about this pastor. 
and, and he's, he has made it a mark in my life because he was a leader that earned respect by his lifestyle, by his words, by his gentleness. You know, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the Midwest, when you went to Sunday church, especially if you're on staff, you dressed up. You know, so I had suits and, and silk ties that I tried to tie the, the knot as tight and small as possible because some people do the butterfly thing. I wanted a thin, cool youth pastor knot. I get my shirt starched and I, I was uncomfortable, but I looked good. And I'd have shoes that I shine with black polish. And my pastor was so gentle and so kind I would say to him, I'd hear him, and I'd see him interact with people in the church of all walks of life, and I'd say, I'd say, Pastor, you can step on someone's dress shoes and still leave the shine. And he loved that. He thought that was great, and that was an example. What I was witnessing, what I was seeing was his, his leadership in action, his gentleness, and today, our one big action is ask God to produce a gentle spirit in you. You want to be a leader. You want to earn respect. You want to show gentleness. You, wanna, you want to follow Jesus' words in the teaching and the Beatitudes. You want to have gentleness where it's strength under control by God. This gentleness, we can't make it up. We can't fake gentleness. We can't manipulate gentleness. We can't force gentleness. gentleness. It's an inside job. It's God's spirit working and producing gentleness in us so that it comes through us. Bow your heads with me today. Maybe God has been speaking to you about some relationship or some situation. Just take a minute right now and pray and ask God to help produce gentleness in that situation in your heart. Just talk to God right now. Maybe it's a parent asking God to help them with gentleness with their children. Maybe it's Someone that's married asking God to help with gentleness towards their spouse. Maybe it's you're thinking about some work relationship or business relationship and you're asking God. Whatever God is speaking to your heart about today, just, just surrender your life, your situation, and ask God to produce gentleness in you. And maybe today, you have heard about this relationship with Jesus, but you're not sure where you stand in that relationship. You're not sure if you have that relationship with the Lord. You can also ask God to help you. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will forgive you and he will make you whole. He will put you on the path to follow him. And maybe today you have, you have drifted or you have coasted or, or you haven't been as tight with the Lord and, and you felt like maybe the Lord's not as close as he once were. Well, who has moved? 
sure not the Lord. Even when we don't sense him, we don't feel him, we know that God is with us always because we believe him, we believe his word, and we believe when he says, I am with you forever to the very end of the age. And maybe today you just need to talk to the Lord about your relationship with him. Maybe you need to invite him into your life. You need to ask him to forgive you of the sin in your life for the times when you've been harsh and not gentle. Maybe you would pray this prayer with me today. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of the sin in my life. I confess it to you. I need you today. I let, let down my barriers. I let down my manliness or my, my independence. I let those things down. And I need you in my life. I invite you in my life. I want to live for you the rest of my days. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? You said, yes, I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.